Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa. Welcome to America's Most Favorite Radio Travel Show. I'm Rudy Maxa, your genial host, and we've got a packed hour coming up. <clears throat> Excuse me. First, I want to note that this is the one-year anniversary of the crash of the Costa Concordia on some rocks off the Italian coast. That accident took the lives of 32 people on board. The bodies of two of those victims have still not been recovered. There's a massive effort going on uh, to get the ship upright. It currently rests at a 65-degree angle off the rocks, and uh, trying to get it off those rocks has been going on for months. Ex uh, experts expect that this is a, this very delicate process will conclude sometime this summer. Estimates range between June and September, when then water will be pumped out of the ship, then it will be towed away and dismantled for scrap. Lawsuits continue to pile up, and the captain who reportedly steered too close to the shoreline still awaits trial. An investigating ma magistrate has said he maneuvered the ship, and here I quote, like a canoe. Expect a formal indictment of the former, of the, uh, former captain, Francesco Chettino, next month. Meanwhile, a memorial service for victims is being held this weekend in the town of Giglio, Italy, where the ship ran aground. Well, coming up this hour, we'll learn a few interesting things about Disneyland and other theme parks. We're going to talk with Robert Niles. He's the curator of our website called themeparkinsider.com. And there's a new museum in Seattle. It's called MOHI. I'm going to tell you what that stands for, and we'll also learn why it's worth a visit when the executive director of the museum joins us at about 18 after the hour. And our expert on classic travel books, Henry Fortunato, joins for the second time uh, in his occasional series. He's going to focus on that acerbic English writer, Evelyn Waugh, and his book called Going Was Good. Plus, it's wave season in the U.S. that time of year when most Americans book cruises for the coming year. We're going to ask our cruise specialist, Ann Campbell, to join us, see if there really are any deals out there to be had or if it's mostly industry hype. But first, a quick look at some interesting news from the world of travel. <clears throat> Excuse me. As I broadcast you live on Saturday morning, keep in mind many of our stations do time shift this show to later on Saturday or Sunday, but as I broadcast you live on Saturday morning, there is still no trace of the plane-carrying Italian fashion mogul Vittorio Missoni and five others. They were going between two islands along the coast of Venezuela. The small plane was making this short trip. It was only a 90-mile flight. Uh, last Saturday, when it disappeared from controller's radar screens, there was no mayday signal, and more than 400 search and rescue flights have so far failed to turn up any signs of wreckage on land or sea. A report that a body had been found in the water late this week turned out to be false. Well, it's going to be more difficult for people using other guests' tickets to slip into Disneyland, or excuse me, Disney World. Or it is a Disney, yeah, it's Disney, Disneyland, sorry. Um, or so says Robert Niles, who writes Theme Park Insider. We've asked Robert to join us today. Robert, nice to have you here. What's going on here? Robert, are you there? Disney World's policy. If you visited uh, Disney World in Florida in the past, uh, you'll know that you have to put your little uh, uh, index finger down on a scanner, and they scan your uh, uh, fingerprint whenever you use a ticket to get into Disney World. And now they're doing something kind of similar at Disneyland. They're not scanning their finger, your finger, but they are taking your picture whenever you use a multi-day ticket for the first time. And why is this? Well, what they're trying to do is to keep people from using unused days on other people's multi-day tickets. So what happens now is when they take that picture of you when you use a multi-day ticket for the first time, they're going to digitally associate that photo with that ticket. 
And all of the Disneyland employees at the turnstiles, they each have a little computer monitor in front of them. So the next time somebody comes into the park using that ticket, that picture is going to pop up on their screen. And if that picture doesn't look like the person using the ticket, that person's not going to get into the theme park. And I gather there was some problem with um, uh, brokers selling unused uh, ticket days as well. Yeah, I mean, that's been one of the ways that people have gotten discounted Disney tickets in the past is that somebody will buy a three-day ticket because it's cheaper per day the more days you buy on a Disney ticket. So they'll buy a three-day ticket, use maybe two days of it, then they'll sell the unused third day to a ticket broker who will then take the money they they paid for that, do a little upcharge, and then sell it to somebody else to use that third day. It would still be less than what you'd pay for a one-day Disneyland ticket, and uh, uh, you know somebody could get into the park. But, of course, Disney doesn't get its full charge on a theme park ticket that day, so they didn't particularly like that, that plan. Well, Plus, they... it also left people, uh, you know, uh, some people ended up buying what they thought were unused days on a ticket just to find that all the tick days actually were, in fact, used. There were counterfeit tickets out there. So there were some people who were getting ripped off under the system, whereas if I you have... buy the ticket directly from Disney, you're good. I had no idea there was a gray market in Disney World uh, multi-pass day tickets. I think there's a gray market in just about everything. Well, I suppose days. so. I suppose so. Well, it, I, I, though Disneyland is actually getting them. They sold a five-day pass, and so what if uh, somebody only used it for yeah. three days? They still got their full five-day fee at that rate. But I understand what they're trying to do. They're right. trying to if, if if another person wants to use it, then they ought to buy their own five-day pass or whatever. Um, and Disney, Disney is going to more of a system where they're trying to kind of customize experiences. So they're trying to collect some user data with each of those tickets and associate it. And it's hard to do that if multiple people are sharing the same ticket. So what might that, how might that manifest itself? If they know a little about what I like to see, they might give me discounts on something? or I don't know if you're going to get discounts, but you might get uh, uh, you know, slightly uh, differentiated experiences within the park. Disney's spending like a billion dollars on this program that they're calling NextGen, and they're beginning to implement it out in Florida, uh, where you can make reservations for actual rides as well as restaurants weeks in advance. You can go into parks, and and their new test track ride that they have at Epcot, you can have a little different experience every time, and they're, they're, they're going to eventually use your ticket to kind of store your preferences and what they're doing to change experiences and attractions. Uh, but they need to have each person being using only one ticket and one ticket per person in order to make that happen. Is this also a way of trying to uh, uh, reduce lines? Well, eventually it could be used for that as, <laughs> as people begin to uh, treat a theme park vacation a little bit more like a cruise where a lot of things are you know, kind of planned in advance or booked in advance. They have the opportunity to help uh, you know, reduce wait times for people as things get scheduled in advance. Of course, if you don't participate in that system, then there's the opportunity that you're waiting in longer lines as people with reservations get in ahead of you. So it could be a wash. We'll have to see how it works out. I, th- I think I read yesterday really quickly that uh, Disney was laying off an enormous amount of people. Did you see that? Yeah, uh, it's, it seems to be mostly in the administrative functions, uh, uh-huh. that people who are actually working in the park seem to have been protected from this one. Uh, but, I mean, they just did a whole lot of uh, uh, build-up at uh, uh, Disneyland, at the California Adventure Park. So anybody who is really associated within, you know, managing the construction phase of that, you know, their job's kind of done now. So it's not a huge surprise that there would be layoffs after a big expansion like that. Okay. Robert Isles is going to join us oh, in about uh, about 15 minutes uh, down the road on the show. Robert, we're going to talk about what? 
Uh, well, let's talk about uh, what's happening in uh, theme parks in 2013. Excellent. And we're going to sort of broaden the topic here. Thanks for filling us in on the new policy for entering uh, Disneyland and uh, for telling me about this gray market for those uh, multi-day passes. We'll talk to you in a few minutes, Robert. Oh, it's a pleasure. Great. Thanks. Uh, you're listening to Rudy Max's World. Coming up, we're going to take a look at, take a peek at Seattle's new Museum of History and Industry, which they call Mohai. Mohai. Uh, with, when the executive director, Leonard Garfields, joins us. A couple of messages, and then we'll be right back. Do stay with us. Rudy Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages. Alka-Seltzer Plus presents The Cold Truth. I am a cold. I took NyQuil cold and flu, but I'm still stumped up. Well, it may treat many cold symptoms, but it doesn't have a nasal decongestant. Really? Try Alka-Seltzer Plus night liquid gels to relieve your worst cold symptoms, including your stuffy nose. Oh, that sounds much better. And soon, so will you. Alka-Seltzer Plus Night Liquid Gels. Oh, what a relief it is. Use as directed. And save a dollar when you visit Alka-Seltzer on Facebook. Ladies, are any of these symptoms familiar? Weight gain, hot flashes, rapid heartbeat, night sweats? How about fatigue, nausea, low energy? Or what about sleeplessness, low libido, and fat storage, especially around the belly area? If you're a woman over 40 experiencing any of these symptoms, you probably have hormonal imbalance. And until you balance your hormones, it'll be practically impossible to get rid of these problems. But you're in luck because Ambrin is the all-natural formula clinically shown to cause sustained weight loss in women over 40 with no big change in lifestyle. Ambrin restores hormonal imbalance in women over 40, so the extra pounds fall away and the other symptoms simply disappear. To receive a complimentary risk-free trial with a free 30-day supply, just be one of the first 50 callers right now at 1-800-525-2563. Free supplies are limited, so be one of the first callers right now at 1-800-525-2563. That's 1-800-525-2563. Our buyers negotiated the best deals of the season on the best floors, and they're all priced to move at Lumber Liquidator's January Liquidation Sale. Our best laminates and vinyl wood plank are 20% off our already incredibly low prices. Gunstock oak pre-finished hardwood, one of America's most popular hardwoods, is just $2.69 a square foot. Plus, get special extended financing. These deals will not last. January liquidation sale is going on now. So visit LumberLiquidators.com today and find your local store. The telephone number to call the program is 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at RudyMaxa.com. Here again is Rudy Maxa. Welcome back to Rudy Maxa's World, America's favorite radio travel show, talk travel show. Um, There's a new museum in town, if the town happens to be Seattle where you live, and Leonard Garfield is the executive director. It's the Seattle's Museum of History and Industry, and it's already been dubbed Mohai. Uh, Mr. Garment, thank you for joining me. Garfield, excuse me, I'm sorry. Thanks, Rudy. Good to be here. I was thinking of Leonard Garment because I lived too long in Washington, D.C. I'm sorry. That's Leonard. right. That's, a, that, that's in the Nixon era, isn't it? It certainly is, and I, <laughs> I remember him well. Leonard Garfield is my guest. I'm terribly sorry. Um, Leonard, is Mohai a nickname that you all wanted attached to the museum, or is, has that just become popped up? 
Well, you know, it popped up about 60 years ago, Rudy. We've been around since the 1950s. Uh, our home is brand new uh, at Seattle's Lake Union Park, but we're going to stick with the old name because locals love it and people out of town wonder what the heck is Mohai, and they come to find out that it's a great museum about Seattle history. Okay. Tell, tell me about, uh, about well, the old Mohai is not there anymore. Right. That closed down about six months ago. We okay. reopened uh, just a few days ago with a brand-new museum uh, right in the center of the city on a beautiful new park uh, on a lake in Seattle. It's a magnificent historic building that's been brought to new life, and it's filled with amazing stories about who we are and what made Seattle Seattle. Okay, what did make Seattle Seattle? <laughs> Good question. Uh, Seattle, a lot of things made Seattle, and um, it, it includes the incredible Native American tradition here. Uh, people have lived here for thousands of years. It includes our love of the environment, um, how we have used this magnificent setting to both our advantage and how we've come to respect it over time. Uh, we're very deeply imbued with the traditions of innovation. Tradition and innovation seem contradictory, but it seems to be in our, in our blood here, and we're always looking for a new way of doing things, and we've done that for hundreds of years. So those are some of the things that make Seattle Seattle. I think one other thing would be that we are very much connected with the rest of the world. We're perched out here on the Pacific Rim, and we've been mindful of other people and other nations for just about as long as as an American community has been here. So internationalism is a part of our DNA as well. Does aviation figure in the museum? I have not been to the museum. I, didn't, I haven't been to the old one, I'm sorry to say, so I don't know the answer well, to that question. Well, we've got to get you out here, and absolutely aviation does figure in. In fact, when you walk into this magnificent space, there's a four-story open atrium, and right in the center of it, suspended over, over all the visitors, is the very first plane that Boeing ever made. It's called the Boeing B-1, first plane, commercial plane from Boeing, and it's actually suspended in the original flight path that it had when it first took flight in 1919. It was built uh, right outside where the museum is today. We've installed it in a way that it replicates its original flight from uh, nearly 100 years ago. So in many ways, that's, that's such a key story of Seattle, and it's the first thing you see when you walk into the museum. Wait, what do you mean it's in the original flight path? It's at the right angle as if it were just taking it's, off? It's, absolutely, it's actually on the right angle, <laughs> physically exactly where the plane came in. It landed at a time before the current building we're in was even built. So we're able to sort of restore the plane, not just to its original physical character, but to its actual flight path, which is pretty exciting. I don't know of any other museum that does <laughs> that. So I have never heard of such a thing. That's very cool. Isn't it cool? You yeah. really get a sense of history. Well, I, I, I know I'm jumping ahead here to the summer, but I looked at your website uh, um, over, during the week, and I, I noticed that you have a, uh, an exhibit coming up in mid-June. It'll run through November on Seattle's floating homes. How are you managing oh, yeah. a floating home exhibit in a museum? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you might recall the movie Sleepless in Seattle. Do you sure. remember that one, Rudy, where we talked all about the folks who live on houseboats in Seattle? That's a tradition that goes back 100 years as well. And many of those houseboats, including the Sleepless in Seattle one, are right outside the door of the museum here on Lake Union. So come summertime, we're going to tell that story. And we're working with owners and lovers of floating homes or houseboats, as they're sometimes called, uh, to tell that story, to tell that history. We'll have examples of those homes, and we'll have a lot of activities outside right on the boats themselves. So it's a great way to use our new setting here in the houseboat community of Seattle to sort of peel the, the layer back and see that that's really a long tradition. We have kind of an informal, almost a rustic style here in Seattle. 
we're you know we're we're known for our grunge and our flannel and uh, and houseboats are a part of that. So that's something that we're we're excited to share with people. My guest is Leonard Garfield. He is the executive director of Seattle's Museum of History and Industry called MoHi. It's just moved into brand new headquarters. And you mentioned Sleepless in Seattle. I remember that being about a four handkerchief movie. Um, but I, I, I guess that's represented in your current exhibit called Celluloid Seattle: A City at the Movies. Right. We've got we we have several exhibits on display right now, including a core exhibit that talks about the whole evolution of our city, but we have a special traveling exhibit that's called Celluloid Seattle, and it is a way to look at Seattle history through the lens of the motion picture camera. So we go all the way back, believe it or not, Rudy, to the 1890s when the first film was made in Seattle. Motion pictures had hardly been invented, but a guy by the name of Thomas Edison came out to Seattle with his motion picture camera and took the first films of Seattle. And we go all the way up to some of the independent films that are being made, you know, even as we speak, uh, almost. And we have all kinds of great artifacts, costumes, sets, scripts, uh, lots of film clips, uh, including from Sleepless in Seattle. But, but films that go way back uh, before that, there was a film from the 1930s, which was very, very popular, called Tugboat Annie, which oh, talks yeah. about the tugboats. You might have, re- maybe you've seen I've it on I've heard of it. Television. I don't think I've seen it, but I've heard yeah, of it. Yeah, it's a great film. And interestingly enough, the tugboat that is the star of that wonderful film from the 30s is actually moored right outside the museum's door. So telling that story and then looking out the window and getting on board the boat are all part of that experience of this exhibit called Celluloid Seattle. This sounds very cool. It sounds like it spans all age groups. It really does. I mean, it's something for everybody in the family. Uh, you know, older people, of course, love history museums because sometimes, you know, a, a little unnerving. We, we discover that our time period ends up being discussed in the history museum. But young people love discovering, how did we get here? What is this community all about? And what we've discovered, Rudy, is that families come with different age groups, and it really engenders a conversation. People discover common ground that they might not get to in their everyday world. So we have a chance to uh, bring people together to talk about this place, how we got here, um, our own lives and our own families. Give us, as travelers, some uh, good common sense of, uh, advice for visiting. I presume it's less crowded during the week than on weekends. Yeah, good, good advice. Uh, less crowded on the weeks than the weekends, but we're open seven days a week, including Mondays. A lot of museums are closed. We're open. Our hours are from 10 to 5 every day, and then on Thursdays we go a little bit late. We're open until 8 in the evening. So if you want to come by and enjoy the exhibit uh, at, at the end of your day visiting Seattle, maybe grab a glass of wine in the museum cafe. You can do that. We're located um, in Lake Union Park, which is a new park in the city in a very vibrant new neighborhood. Across the street from us are the world headquarters of Amazon.com. So lots of, lots of fun things to see and do when you're visiting the museum. Uh, next door to us are historic vessels, a uh, number of other attractions that really make it a, a complete day when you come down to visit. And who is watching those historic vessels? Is that part of your uh, 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 Lots of different too? organizations and folks who care for them, uh, colleagues of ours, but uh, we're letting other people take responsibility for those, and it's, it's working out just fine. Can you walk on some of those vessels? Yes, you can. Almost all of them are open uh, periodically to the public. You will want to check the various websites uh, to make sure that you, you know what boats are open on what days. And tell me how long you've been with the uh, museum, Leonard. I've been with Mohai about 15 years now, so it's been exciting because we've been working on this new museum project for almost a decade, and um, it's, it's been fun to see that project from beginning now to our, to our grand opening, and we have lots of, lots of cool things coming in the months and, and years ahead. And what's happening to your old facility? 
Well, one of the reasons we moved, in fact, the primary reason, uh, I guess um, this is a typical history story, uh, progress. We've got a big highway in Seattle that's being built, uh, crossing one of our lakes here, and the old museum happened to be right in the way of that road. So the old museum is going to be torn down um, in probably the next year or so. And uh, we we are sorry to see that go, but we're certainly excited to be in our new in our new home, which uh, has no plans to go anywhere for the next century, at least. Well, very exciting. How's the initial reaction been? I know you've only been open a week. Um, how, among we've locals, we've been open a week. It's been fantastic. We've had an amazingly enthusiastic response. Thousands and thousands of folks have come down, and uh, we've just been so gratified. And uh, we're going to keep listening to all the visitors, not just our local residents, but folks visiting us from around the country, because we want to keep presenting the stuff that folks want to learn about and want to do. So big, big positive response and, and lots of excitement going forward. Well, if you're headed to Seattle and you'd like to, more information, like to find out more information before you go there, you can find uh, uh, all details about the museum at mohai.org. Mohai is M-O-H-A-I, mohai.org. Org. That stands for Seattle's Museum of History and Industry. We've been talking with Leonard Garfield, the executive director, who has just opened the new facility. Uh, Leonard, delighted to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. When we come back here in Rudy Max's World, we're going to be joined again by Robert Niles of ThemeParkInsider.com. We're going to talk about sort of what's new is happening, what is new and happening in theme parks in 2013. Don't touch that dial. Call now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com. Do you snore? Do you share a room with someone whose snoring keeps you up at night? Finally, for the first time ever, you can put a stop to snoring instantly with Snorebreak. Snorebreak is not a nose or mouthpiece. It's not a drug. And it's not a procedure. Snorebreak is a patented liner that goes beneath the pillowcase and reduces snoring from the very first night. The secret is a fusion of natural extracts that dramatically improve breathing. Snorebreak is comfortable, easy, and virtually undetectable. Snorebreak works, and right now we're sending risk-free trials to listeners in your area. Call 1-800-467-7305. Don't suffer one more sleepless night. Whether it's light snoring or heavy snoring, Snorebreak will help put a stop to it the very first night. Hurry and take part in this limited-time risk-free trial. Call 1-800-467-7305. That's 1-800-467-7305. Call Participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. Welcome back to Rudy Maxa's World and welcome back to Robert Niles. We talked to him during the first segment, the news segment of the show, about a couple of small changes going on vis-a-vis ticketing in uh, Disneyland, uh, Disneyland in California. Um, but he's joining me again to take a broader look at theme parks in the United States in this new year and what's coming up. Robert Niles is the editor and the writer of the uh, for the website themeparkinsider.com. So if you're a theme park aficionado, that's the place to go keep up with things. He posts very frequently, a much better poster than I am. Robert, welcome back to the show. Great to be back, Rudy. All right, what's got you excited about theme parks this year? What's new? What's coming? 
Well, 2012 was a great year for theme park fans here in Southern California. We got Cars Land at Disney California Adventure based on the Disney Pixar movies. We got a great new Transformers ride at Universal Studios Hollywood. But 2013 is going to be Orlando's turn. Central Florida's got a couple of really great new high-tech attractions coming in. And if you're a roller coaster fan, you might want to consider a trip to the Ozarks this summer because there's a really revolutionary new roller coaster going in at Silver Dollar City in Branson. All right, let's start with the last thing first. I, uh, how could, I mean, roller coasters uh, do everything but nearly zoom you up to the moon and back in two minutes. What, what's the new revolutionary thing in, uh, in Silver Dollar City in, in Branson? Well, this is going to be a wooden roller coaster that goes upside down. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, they've got some new roller coaster technology now, and what this is, actually, it's, it's a little bit of a hybrid. There's going to be some steel in this coaster, too, but what that allows them to do is to take a wood frame roller coaster and do some things that you really haven't been able to do with a wooden coaster before, such as barrel rolls, those types of inversions, a lot of high-speed, steep drops, uh, so it's kind of, you know, a... Uh, 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 almost a steel roller coaster experience, but you know, in a r- wooden roller coaster environment, and kind of more of a wooden roller coaster feel to it. So I think a lot of people are really looking forward to it. Now I'm a I'm a chicken about roller coasters, but I have gone on a few. But is a wood one more scary because there's, there's, there's a lot of clattering and you feel more vibrations? Or, or yeah, or it's, it's it. They can be a rougher ride, but uh, it also just kind of feels a little bit more uh, you know wild and natural to it. You don't really feel like you're on this slick, high-tech thing just kind of swooping around. You really kind of feel more of a connection with the ride itself. You can really feel every element of it. So that's been the appeal of wooden roller coasters. I mean, for some people, that's a total turnoff. But for some people, yeah, that's really something that they're looking for. Well, I can see you're in the latter, latter category. Okay, I started you last. Let's, let's back up to, uh, so are there new things happening at, uh, at Universal's uh, Studios Park in, in Orlando as well as uh, Disney World? Um, well, actually, uh, with the, uh, you know, that Transformers ride I mentioned at Universal Studios Hollywood that debuted right. this year out in Southern California, well, Universal Studios Florida in Orlando is going to get its own version this summer as well. And uh, if you're a fan of those Transformers movies, you will love this attraction. It is all of the action and the adrenaline and the chases and everything that you loved about the movie condensed into one four-minute wild ride. Gosh, I went on it. Did it only last four minutes? I, was, I thought it lasted an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, if you throw in the queue, it's probably closer to an hour. But, uh, well, the queue, right. Now, uh, do you think it will it be a wait. replica of the one in Southern California? Uh, the ride itself will be exactly the same as the one in Southern California, and there's a third one out in Universal Studios in Singapore as well, if you've oh. got anyone who travels out to, to, to the Pacific Rim in Asia. Uh, but uh, the, exact, the ride itself will be the same, but the exterior will be different. They're promising a much more uh, you know, kind of elaborately well-themed exterior as opposed to the one in California, which just looks like a studio soundstage with a, you know, a picture in front of it. Right. Um, so they've been working on this for about a year now. If you've been to Universal Studios Florida recently, you'll see this huge construction project kind of right in the middle of the park at the edge of the lagoon. Well, actually, there are two there. The, the other one's going to be coming in a few years, and it's another Harry Potter land. Uh, but we'll get to that in a bit if we have time. Uh, but the, the, the new uh, uh, Transformers ride, this should be debuting, we're thinking probably sometime in July this year. 
All right. Do you not want to talk about Harry Potter right away? I wouldn't uh, Well, Harry Potter, we don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, they're under construction for it. They haven't officially announced it yet, but, we, but you know, I've seen the plans. I know it's going to be an extension of the Harry Potter land that's going to be based okay. on uh, Diagon Alley in London. It'll be a ride through the Gringotts uh, uh, Bank. It'll be a kind of a roller coaster ride. So that might be 2014, 2015, but not something for this particular summer. And I presume Harry Potter is just still packing them in in 2012. Now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's one of the great uh, movie franchises of all time. It's been a huge success for Universal. In fact, one of the reasons why you're seeing so much expansion at the Universal Parks is, frankly, because of all the money they've made off of Harry Potter at <laughs> Islands of Adventure in Orlando. So they've got cash to spend, and they're spending it, which is great for theme park fans. Got it. We've got one minute left. What else you got? Okay. The attraction I am most excited for in 2013 is actually at SeaWorld in Orlando. They've done something really? really unlike anything they've done before. SeaWorld's always been known for the great shows, but what they're putting in is really the most high-tech ride, I think, probably in America. Uh, they've completely revamped their Penguin Pavilion. It's not going to be a walkthrough anymore. It's going to be an actual ride. And you've heard of driverless cars before? You know, cars you just get in, they drive themselves. Mm -hmm. That's basically what's happening with this attraction. You're getting in these eight-person ride vehicles, but there's no track. Weird. They're controlled by a computer. There's multiple profiles that will go through, and it's going to take you through Antarctica. There's going to be some movie elements of it where you look at some penguins, and then you're going to actually ride through the penguin environment itself. You're going to be able to get closer to the penguins than ever before, they've said. I don't know if you'll get close enough to actually pet a penguin, right. uh, but you're going to get really up close to, 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 to this, this wonderful Antarctic environment. I mean, people love penguins, and this is a chance to get really close to them. All right, if you want to keep up with this, read Robert Niles' themeparkinsider.com website, and you'll stay right current. Robert, thanks for joining us twice. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Right back with a classic travel book from Henry Fortunato. Don't go away. Rudy Max's world is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at RudyMaxa.com. Ladies, are any of these symptoms familiar? Weight gain, hot flashes, rapid heartbeat, night sweats? How about fatigue, nausea, low energy? Or what about sleeplessness, low libido, and fat storage, especially around the belly area? If you're a woman over 40 experiencing any of these symptoms, you probably have hormonal imbalance. And until you balance your hormones, it'll be practically impossible to get rid of these problems. But you're in luck because Ambrin is the all-natural formula clinically shown to cause sustained weight loss in women over 40 with no big change in lifestyle. Ambrin restores hormonal imbalance in women over 40, so the extra pounds fall away and the other symptoms simply disappear. To receive a complimentary risk-free trial with a free 30-day supply, just be one of the first 50 callers right now at 1-800-525-2563. Free supplies are limited, so be one of the first callers right now at 1-800-525-2563. That's 1-800-525-2563. Our buyers negotiated the best deals of the season on the best floors, and they're all priced to move at Lumber Liquidator's January liquidation sale. Our best laminates and vinyl wood plank are 20% off are already incredibly low. Low prices. Gunstock oak pre-finished hardwood. One of America's most popular hardwoods. Is just $2.69 a square foot. Plus, get special extended financing. These deals will not last. January liquidation sale is going on now. So visit LumberLiquidators.com today and find your local store. Do you snore? Do you share a room with someone whose snoring keeps you up at night? Finally, for the first time ever, you can put a stop to snoring instantly with Snore Break. Snorebreak is not a nose or mouthpiece, it's not a drug, and it's not a procedure. 
Snorebreak is a patented liner that goes beneath the pillowcase and reduces snoring from the very first night. The secret is a fusion of natural extracts that dramatically improve breathing. Snorebreak is comfortable, easy, and virtually undetectable. Snorebreak works, and right now we're sending risk-free trials to listeners in your area. Call 1-800-467-7305. Don't suffer one more sleepless night. Whether it's light snoring or heavy snoring, Snorebreak will help put a stop to it the very first night. Hurry and take part in this limited-time, risk-free trial. Call 1-800-467-7305. That's 1-800-467-7305. Call 1-800-467-7305. I'm happy to bring you the next chapter in a fun contest series sponsored by our friends at Travel Guard. It's one of thousands of true travel tales they receive every year. Diane and her friend were enjoying a summer cruise in the Mediterranean when her legs started to itch uncontrollably. She let it go, thinking it would get better. But when she noticed it getting inflamed and red, her mind went to her worst fear. For the rest of the story and a chance to win a Kindle, visit TravelGuard.com slash stories. TravelGuard is a worldwide leader in travel insurance and assistance. Got a question or comment? Need advice? Jump on board now by calling the show at 800-387-8025 or visit the show anytime at RudyMaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. I got a question and comment. I need advice. Boy, do I need advice. Um, yeah, and if you uh, if you want to write me about it, just go to Rudy at RudyMaxa.com and drop me a line. Henry Fortunato reported a few weeks ago on the first of what's going to be a continuing series of great travel books from the past that you can still get and still read. Henry's a, a trained historian, uh, and he's the director of public affairs of the Kansas City Public Library. He's a friend of mine and one of the smartest guys I know. So uh, we sort of came up with this idea of looking at these past travel books that might be rich reading for us today. And, and today you've got Going Was Good, which, Henry, you say is a compilation of Evelyn Waugh's travel pieces that might have appeared in his other in other places, right? Yeah, When the Going Was Good is an anthology of selected chapters from uh, four of Waugh's travel books that were written, oh, between, say, 1929 and mid-1930s. Uh, this corresponded with a period when um, he had uh, basically uh, no fixed address. Um, he was in his late 20s through his mid-30s, and uh, he was a young man who did what young men in uh, British uh, aristocracy did in those days. Um, they traveled. And I gather that he did a riff on a cruise in the Mediterranean, but he, and he was present for the coronation of Haile Selassie in Ethiopia, which was then Abyssinia, right? Yeah, yeah. He went to, well, he went to Abyssinia, uh, Ethiopia several times, um, and there are actually two chapters in When the Going Was Good about Ethiopia. One is um, uh, reasonably hilarious, uh, although clearly... Um, uh, uh, racist view of the uh, emperor's attempt to make uh, Ethiopia look like a civilized country. Uh, the second one is the last chapter in the book where he reports um, rather hysterically about um, the Ethiopian plans to counter the Italian invasion of Ethiopia in 1935. Um, uh, the situation, of course, is is like most uh, wartime experiences. Uh, correspondence, or it's not, they weren't embedded. You know, they were kept away from the front. They were just getting rumors and lies, right. and 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 doing their best to grind out copy uh, to send back to uh, Europe because he was there as a war correspondent. 
Well, I, Evelyn Waugh may be best known to most Americans for that television series years ago called Bride, Brides Had Revisited. My favorite book by him is, well, I've got a couple, but one of them is Scoop, which is a story of a journalist. He's very funny, acerbic writer. I presume he brings those uh, talents to these books, right, Henry? And do you have a couple favorite quotes? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, um, well, I mean, it, it's a combination of great lines and, and great stories. I mean, for example, um, he comments on a, a, a cruise ship that uh, they're passing by. Uh, he writes, um, her passengers were all middle-aged Germans, unbelievably ugly, but dressed with courage and enterprise. <laughs> Very um, in in Paris, he says uh, one night they're at uh, at, uh, at Bricktops. Uh, he says uh, we drank champagne because it is one of the peculiar modifications of French liberty that one can drink nothing else. Oh my goodness! Um, but I think one? I think the, there's some wonderful stories. Uh, he's in uh, he's in. Uh, Aden, which of course is is contemporary Yemen, and uh, he's befriended by some general merchant, mysterious guy who's got all kinds of enterprises. His name is Mr. LeBlanc, and uh, he invites him for a little walk, which turns out to be uh, a rather strenuous rock climbing expedition along the coast. Um, and uh, Wa is not doing too well and uh, barely keeping up with Mr. LeBlanc. Um, and uh, then Mr. LeBlanc warns him that they're coming up on, quote, a rather tricky part, uh, which turned out to be an overhanging rock that has uh, a crumbling, flaky surface, and there's, there's little pebbles sort of trickling down into the abyss there. And Mr. LeBlanc navigates this quite easily and says, well, just do this and do that and put your foot here and your hand there and you'll be just fine. And he disappears. Um, and uh, Wa manages to, uh, to make this happen, but then he writes... Every detail of that expedition is kept fresh in my mind by recurrent nightmares. Oh my goodness! Well, we just got so, a minute, minute, Henry, a minute left. But uh, give me, give me a quick uh, historian's uh, explanation of why we should care about books written that long ago about places that are very different today. Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, because it's not just about travel. It's about traveling back in time. It's a time when the British Empire still ruled a quarter of the world's surface. Uh, a little shakily, but still it was there. It's a time when exotic places had not been totally transformed into tourist paradises. In other words, it's about a time when travel still involved an element of travail and when you could have something approaching a real adventure, not an, an, art, an artificial one. Oh, well said. And through the eyes of a brilliant writer. Evelyn Waugh was a, a total character and, and, and one of my favorite English writers. And is this a book, um, uh, When the Going Was Good, is this a book that you could get probably at any library these days? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I, I did a quick search of, of all the libraries around here, and, and they all have great collections of Waugh, both, both his novels, his travel books, um, essays. Yeah, I, the libraries are the great place to go find it. The book is called When the Going is Good. The author is Evelyn Waugh, W-A-U-G-H. Henry Fortunato is Director of Public Affairs of the Kansas City Public Library. Henry, we'll talk to you in a few weeks for another one. You bet, Rudy. Thanks. To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. To join Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. Welcome back to Rudy Maxa's World. Hope you're having a lovely weekend. I am as well. And I'm delighted to be joined by my friend Ann Campbell. She is the editor and founder of shipcriticblog.com. And this woman has been on more ships than 
I don't know how to put that. I, I, thinking of something, but it's not all that flattering to say, so I'll leave it alone. <laughs> this is... Hi, Anne. Hi, I was gonna say, how are you? I was going to say more than more mice in Marseille Harbor, but that's not the... That's probably not the way... <laughs> um, it's wave season, which is the time a lot of Americans book their cruises. I had a deal of the weekend uh, in the last hour that Viking River Cruises, river cruising now, yes. um, they were putting their 2014 cruises on sale already. If you'd book a year ahead of time, I couldn't believe it. A year ahead of time? Yeah. Well, yep. that's that's super planning. That, that, is, uh, that is, you can do that. I am in awe of you. All right. Is, uh, is wave season, do they, are they really good deals being offered, or is it industry hype and there's a couple good deals? Give well, there are very good deals. Okay. Uh, what they're trying to do is they're trying to, you know, sell as much inventory cabins uh, as they can for the year, and they make it good for you to uh, book in advance. Now, in addition to the price, uh, what cruise lines do now a lot, which is nice, they they include things as a, you know, to bring you in like free upgrades, mm-hmm. uh, like you know, $500 on board credit, uh, free prepaid gratuities, tips, uh, free shore excursions. So you weigh those things in with the price, but it's not necessarily cheap, cheap. Uh, cruise industry especially is affected by events. Like last year, almost at this time, was Costa Concordia. And sure, that's right. You could get any ship for you know for a song after that for a while. So when something happens, but you know it's the best cabins go first too. That's Uh the thing. Uh Uh, If you wait until the last minute, or even like you know six weeks out, um, you know you're not going to find the best cabins. Right. And you may not find balcony cabins because those are the hottest things on the ship. All right. Do you have do you have any specific deals that you've noticed? Uh, yeah, I've got um, a seven day Caribbean princess uh, for four ninety nine <laughs> per person. So that's per basically a thousand dollars for two people for for four nights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is uh, this is marked February twenty third, and but the prices after that. Five ninety nine for April. That's still an incredible deal. Yep. Um, let's see. I've got tons of deals here. Um, six day Caribbean Independence of the Seas for four twenty nine. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, three day Bahamas for one seventy nine. Yikes! That's almost scary. I worry about that one a little. <laughs> <laughs> Norwegian Sky. Actually, uh, I wouldn't worry about it because cruise lines make their real money from onboard spending, not uh-huh. the fares. Spas and casinos? and. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And extra bottles of wine and so on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's a great time to go in and you know, just nail this down, especially if you're going to pop Alaska. Alaska has been very hot for the last two years. The year before that, no. But Alaska's one place you really want to get a cruise as early as possible because there's a short season. Okay. And, of course, that would be summer, obviously. through September. Right, right. Um, right. And the best cabins on the best ships go first. 
All right, I, I, I've, I ask you this question often when you're on, but, you know, we have listeners, obviously, who don't catch you each time. Is it best to call the cruise line directly or book on their website, or is it best to go through a travel, ag- travel agent who specializes in cruises? You absolutely want to go with a travel agent, and there's several reasons for that. I mean, you can book with a cruise line, but when you, go, when you call a travel agent and say, you know, I'd like to do, say, Caribbean Princess for a week, and, uh, you know, I want a balcony cabin, and, you know, the travel agent may point out that, um, travel agent may point out that, well, there's a, another cruise ship on the same itinerary with a better deal, and you ah, get a better right. cabin. Right. Also, uh, you really want one person you talk to because it's not like an airline seat. There's so many other things you take into, you have to factor in, um, such as getting to the airport, transfers, buying uh, shore excursions, right? which is done mainly before people leave home now on the websites. Okay. And a lot of factors like that. Uh, and and we got to we got to I've I've got to wind down. But some of the, the couple of those deals you quoted can can listeners find those and more at shipcriticblog.com. Um, I would had I just got those off cruise.com. Okay. Uh, Cruisesonly.com is another okay. very good one. Excellent. And then you and read and go to your blog to find so, out about various yes, ships. You got it. Hey, thanks, Ann Campbell. Take care. Shipcriticblog.com. Check her out. Thanks to Jeff Ryder, my engineer. My executive producer is Anna Schofield. Thanks to her as well. And thank you, thank you to you for listening and for our family of stations for carrying the show. We'll see you again next weekend. You've been listening to Rudy Max's World. And as always, you're hearing Must Hear Radio on the SSI Radio Network.